This is what he asked me most recently. He goes, Cam, we're friends, right? I was like, of course we're friends. He goes, would you take a bullet for me? I was like, from a gun? Are, you, first of, are there bullets I'm unaware of? First of all, you're overly confident in my ability to take a bullet. I'm built like drywall. I'm, whoever's behind me is still gonna die. I'm not taking anything. Like shooting a ghost. Do you know how mad I'd be if I tried to be a good person and take a bullet for somebody and be like, I'm a hero, and they still died? I'd be like, I'm a good person. Did you still die? I could have just not got shot. Could have just grieved you. I don't even got health insurance like that. This is stupid. Now I'm in debt and my pancreas is gone. This is dumb. I don't know where my pancreas is at, but that's what it got me. That was stand-up standout Cam Bertrand, who uh, we'll get to know a lot about in episode 28 of Nice Work. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and in learning about Cam and his path, we'll take yet another look at someone who has turned their passion into a successful career. It's kind of the whole point of the Nice Work podcast. Cam, like most tech billionaires, dropped out of college. He started going after comedy and writing full-time at the age of 19, and ended up becoming the youngest comedian to record his own dry bar comedy special. You should, it's got 8 million views on YouTube, you should check it out. Uh, he has performed at some of the most pre prestigious comedy festivals in the country, including the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta, Laughing Devil in New York, and the World Series of Comedy in Vegas. Just last year, Cam became the youngest comic to win Florida's funniest competition, beating out over 300 other comics. He's already worked with many of the biggest names in comedies, and he's just getting started. Dude's only 26 years old. But here's the thing. At such a young age, he's already mentoring the next generation of comics. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this camaraderie and the support in the world of comedy, as well as the role of comedy in society, especially today's society that needs it more than ever. Uh, should we cancel comics when their jokes don't land? Pretty hairy conversation, for sure. It seems to be unfolding mostly in social media and not often with a lot of nuance. We're going to touch on that. We also answer three very important questions. The first is, should you drink 15 vodka Red Bulls and get alcohol poisoning the night before your big break? Yes or no? I didn't know. Mm, kind of know now. Number two, is it ever too soon? And most importantly, lastly, men, sit or stand. Sit or stand? Yeah, so those are the questions. And uh, Brittany, Brittany, Brittany Spears, if you're out there, Cam sees you, feels you, maybe wants to know you, definitely wants to help you. So hit him up on the gram and uh, lose the old man already. So the only reason why I put that, that uh, Brittany thing in there, uh, just to prove what you don't ever want to try to do when you have a professional comic on your podcast is you don't want to try to be funny. Just the, the, the contrast, it just, it really shows you up. So anyway, <laughs> turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in right now to Nice Work with Cam Bertrand. Cam Bertrand, welcome to Nice Work, man. Hey, thank you for being on today. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, you're out in Tampa, right? Yep, yeah, I'm in Tampa, Florida. 
What's it like out there? What's it? What are you doing? How are you staying busy during COVID? I mean, every podcast right now, we got to ask the COVID question because that's just how life is for all of us. And we're kind of comparing notes. So let's hear yours. It's funny because like Florida still doesn't care. Like there's not much of a difference. I'm still able to do stand up for the most part, like less than usual, but still more than any other city. Yeah, we're just now getting around to like the mask thing. Like now we're starting to wear the masks, but like the amount of differences that you see, we see less of that. Like it's not as crazy here. So you're still doing stand up. How many nights a week are you doing stand up? About three, about three nights a week, uh, which usually it'd be about six or seven. Now are people spaced out more or are they just kind of like whatever? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, people are trying to be spaced out. I've done some shows where they were supposed to only sell 50 tickets and they end up selling like a hundred tickets because they need the money, but you know, they, uh, that's some places, other places they space out regardless and they'll only sell like a certain amount of tickets and they'll seat them, you know, six feet apart and all that. It's definitely different. Do you get nervous about making people in the front row laugh too hard? Cause it's like, you know, all that air coming at you. Nah, man, I'm, I'm 26. I don't really, I don't know. I've been around enough people to where like I either had it and it's gone or I'd never had it and probably won't, you know, I don't know. It might be a youth thing. It might be an ignorance thing. I just, I'm not really afraid. That's yeah. Young and dumb. I mean, not to be selfish, but if you were to die of COVID, this podcast now would be <laughs> huge. It would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not hoping, not wishing. Super Nice Cup does not wish death upon you. I promise. I'm just if saying. Us, we're going to say it's COVID. Like, we're going <laughs> to. I've been doing something recently where I'm trying my best to hang out with my grandparents more. I think that's important for young people to do. I think young people should hang out with their grandparents as often as they can. But I'm going to tell you why they don't. Because it's exhausting. <laughs> it is. You learn things that you can't unlearn, okay? It's just knowledge being thrown at you that you just, you're stuck with it forever, all right? Everything was going great. We were eating dinner. Everything was fine. And then my grandma broke out a scrapbook. And we're going through this scrapbook picture by picture. She was like, look, this is a picture of me with my first car. This is a picture of me at my first job. And then we got to a picture of her when she was in her mid-twenties. My grandma was looking fine. <laughs> Super fine, okay? Too fine to be my grandmother. <laughs> and with the sepia filter on it, the brown filter that's not supposed to make you attractive, the one that'll turn a 10 into a seven, now she was still a 10, okay? <laughs> I know it sounds weird, I know it's weird. It's weird to say it, okay? It's weird. But do you understand that it's ruining me? I have to live with this knowledge for the rest of my life. It's ruining me. Because now, every time I try to talk to a girl, I'm like, yeah, you're cute, but you ain't Nana. So you're 26 now, and you're known sort of as, as the young comic. You were the youngest to win Florida's Funniest. You're the youngest to get your own dry bar comedy special. You guys, check out the dry bar comedy special online. It's amazing. Um, you're the youngest comic to be on the Nice Work podcast. Ooh. I know. I'm just out here doing it young. Do it. I'm going to stop being young, though. That sucks. Like, I started comedy, and I was the youngest, and now I'm, like, progressively becoming, like, not young. <laughs> and it sucks there's younger comics coming up now and you, are you kind of uh mentoring already a little bit yeah i'm helping a lot of young dudes uh not a lot like i'm picky i'm very choosy but like i got help so i have to help people it's it's like a rite of passage if you don't get help then you should still help people but like 
I had a lot of help. So I heard recently Michelle Wolf was on a podcast with Andrew Yang. I heard her talk about that a lot, about how helpful I mean, of course, it's competitive because you guys are competing for eyeballs, you're competing for specials, et cetera. But you're also just the camaraderie and the the uh, sort of honor system among comics, helping people come up. The game, man. Like if you love the game, you love comedy, nobody else's career really affects yours. Like everybody's in their own lane. Everybody has their own style. Like there's only a few people whose styles overlap to where they're getting work and you're not. But even at that point, then you're only competing with a small amount of people. Be better. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're not competing against thousands of people. You might be competing with three dudes. Like I'm probably competing with Pete Davidson because he's a young dude, you know, in the same demographic. But it's like that there's still enough work for everybody. Like there's no yeah, reason to hate somebody else's success. You're you're wearing a t-shirt with his girlfriend on it or his ex, right? Britney Spears? <laughs> he dated Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I'm, great shirt. I'm promoting Britney because man, we gotta save Britney. Have you seen her lately? No, we haven't hung in a while. Crazy. After this, Google Britney Spears 2020. She seems like she's crying out for help. It's it's real. All right. Well, super nice club to the rescue. Britney, if you're out there listening to your favorite comic, Cam, <laughs> right now, we're here to help. Just reach out. Maybe reach out to Cam first. Reach out to Britney. Uh, somebody save her. <laughs> so Michelle Wolf also said that it usually takes about – there's kind of a number out there, like seven years for a comic to break. Seven years of of grueling six nights a week work at basically minimum wage, right? Or worse. Um, it, how did you cut in line? See, that's I didn't cut in line. Dude, I have a – October 20th will be seven years. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. It's, it's a – she's, you know, she's right. Everybody has a different timetable. A lot of people, it takes at least 10, but – you know, I did shave some some uh, some time off by being younger, by being hungry, by being the only thing that I did. Uh, I was out six, seven nights a week, and I got help from you know the guys that were above me. And I'm thankful that I did. I'm thankful that they helped me because it shortened my growth. But it's still there's still seven years of growth that have to happen. You know, you have to live a life. You have to go out. You got to go drunken nights at the bar. You got to meet people. You got to have stories. You got to. Just life lessons. That's the only way to get better plus stage time. When did you know? When did you know that comedy was for you? It was weird. When I was 14, I saw Dave Chappelle's Killing Him Softly. And I was like, oh. that looks like the most fun thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, that he's getting paid to do that. It looks it looks amazing. I always wanted to do it. Like so from 14, I was like, damn, I kind of want to do that. I kind of want to do it. But I didn't think I'd be able to do it at my age. So I kind of waited. And then in high school, I would like have notes and have like ideas that I would pitch to my friends at lunch, like at the lunch table. And they had no idea that I'd pre-written all of this, but I was like basically running bits by them of like, Hey, you saw Miss Johnson. Well, you know, maybe she'd have a husband if blah, blah, blah. like just dumb high school stuff. But yeah, I was basically doing stand up for my friends at school. Did anyone push back? Anyone tell you in your life that you were being unrealistic? Like maybe eh, do something else, be a vet. My, my dad's going to hate that I say this because me and him are, we're on good terms now. But like, yeah, when I, when I told my parents that I wanted to do stand up, he said no. Like he was like, he was like, what, what else? Like there's, there's no way. Not even like in a mean way, just in like a, like a passive way of just like, no. And I was, that really, that kind of bothered me. But uh, my mom was super supportive. She told me I could do it. Nobody really told me I couldn't. Uh, you know, there's some some friends that are like, "Oh, that's weird," but nobody was really like, "You can't." 
dad was just using reverse psychology on you. He knew if he said no, that you would, that you would bite harder. Maybe, or maybe he was trying to be a good dad and make me have an actual job. <laughs> <laughs> like I get it. Nobody wants their kid to actually go like, Hey, I want to do this. And they're like, please be a carpenter or something. Do something productive. <laughs> In school, I was all right funny. Like, I, I'll make you laugh, but, like, I wasn't, like, the back of the bus funny. All of my friends were way funnier than me. So then when I said I wanted to do stand-up, everybody's kind of, like, confused. Not against it, but they were like, you're not the funny one. Like, you're all right, but all of my friends are hilarious. But I can write a great joke. I just, for whatever reason, I've always understood comedy. Like, I understand. But that's what's cool. I like hearing that because that's the, this idea with, you know, this with this podcast, nice work. Just people who have found their passion and made them into their, their living, right? And so, like you just said, maybe you weren't the funniest, but whoa, once that match was lit and you got that passion, you worked, you put in the work, you honed your craft. And by the time you were 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then finally I was funny. Um, that's what's so crazy is like, I've had friends from high school try to do stand up since then. And uh, like, they know me as like the stand up guy. Like I've been doing it for long enough now and I've gotten enough things to where they're like oh i'll tell cam that i'm doing stand-up and then i'll see him and it's like yo you're way funnier in person but the stage is different like it it, it takes mm -hmm. it's a craft and they just think that they can do the off-stage thing on stage and it doesn't translate so speaking of stages what do you think we're going to do about these amazing venues that are at the risk of, of going under what's it look like out there is there going to be much left are there going to be many clubs standing i i hope so it's it's rough because like you know, it affects everything. So if we're doing the six feet thing, a building that used to seat 400 is now seating 200. And then they still got to bring in the big names. The big names want X amount of money, but there's fewer tickets. So now you have to pay a hundred dollars to go see this person that you normally would have paid $50. Like it adjusts everything. So a lot of places aren't going to be able to stay open and it sucks to see businesses collapse because of something that wasn't their fault. You know, like, this all happened because of bats, bro. Why are we eating bats? <laughs> we can get McDoubles, dog. Why are you eating bats? What are, what are some of your favorite small venues that helped you coming up? The ones that we really need to save. You got uh, some? Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa was the first place to ever give me stage time. That is my home club. I've been there. I used to sleep on the couch in the like in the green room. I used to like spend nights there. That place grew me as a human. Uh, Side Splitters. Yep, Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa is home. You know what I mean? I lived there like since I was a kid. It's funny too because like I would go to – there's seven shows in a weekend. One Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, one Sunday, right? I would go to all seven shows and see the same headliner, feature, and host all seven shows and just learn and just sit there and see how they adjusted jokes per show, how different jokes hit different on different nights. And uh, yeah, this is a place that basically grew me, you know, groomed me. Is that the right thing? <laughs> I, think, I think both. I think both Both is good. Anybody else come up out of side splitters that we know of? Oh, yeah. J.B. Ball. You might have known him. Uh, he writes for Ridiculousness. He's on Kevin Hart's LOL Network. He had a thing on Heart of the City. He's got a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, he came out of side splitters. Um, you know Eric Myers? Just a bunch of good comics. I'll look him up. Um, but you've done writing too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've written yeah. for Jeff. Did you write for uh, Did you write for Wild and Out? Yeah, I wrote wrote some jokes that are on there. <laughs> what's going on with Wild and Out now? What's going to happen? I don't know what's happening, but I do know it sucks. Like it sucks because 
he puts a lot of time and effort into it. Nick Cannon is a very nice dude. Like he is. I've heard from people I know who know him that he is a, a good guy. When I was there, I only interacted with him twice, but man, he was so nice. Like a dude that you gotta think. I grew up watching him on all that. You know, this is this is a guy who when I was a kid, I saw another kid on TV being funny. It's like, oh man, is that's a real thing that can happen. So to kind of look up to him and him to be humble is really nice. So to see him lose something that he's built from the ground up. Most shows do not get 15 seasons. And I think they're on what season 16, 17. Like mm-hmm. that's insane. Like Seinfeld had what seven seasons. Like there's a lot of shows that don't get that many episodes and he built an empire. He did. And weird admission here. I've never seen an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Never, never watched it. I'm sure it's funny. I was in a TV blackout zone for a few years. I was. I never seen Everybody Loves Raymond or Seinfeld. <laughs> Those are yeah. big ones to miss. I know. A quick segue for no real reason, but word on the street is that uh, before one of your big breaks, you drank so heavily the night before <sighs> taping <laughs> that you went to the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Now, is that true? That, that just like rock star legend? That is 100% true. And you know what's funny? <laughs> I was actually just talking to my friend today about it. It's coming up on the anniversary of that. So September 19th was the day that my roommate and I went to the casino and he won like a bunch of money. So he was like, we're about to blow most of this money tonight. We're gonna have a great night. So I was like, all right. So I was supposed to take my special September 21st. So September 19th, we go out to this, this casino, we get this money, we buy lobster and stuff and then we go to the strip club, 15 vodka Red Bulls plus shots within like five hours time span and I spent the next day was Friday. I spent Friday miserable, had to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the, like take a flight to Utah to tape this special. I was dying internally. Like I hadn't eaten in like two days. My body was like, I was shaking for 48 hours, just like dying. My insides were depleted. Uh, Eight hours after the second taping, like the second show in Utah, I had to go to the hospital. Oh my God. And that's the dry bar special, right? That's the dry bar special. Dude, it's so funny. Somebody reposted it today and like reposted one of the clips that has like 8 million views. And they were like, this is so good, blah, blah. And I was watching it. I got PTSD watching it. Like you will have no idea what was happening in this moment. Like the moment where I was like, there's a moment where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't take a bullet for my friend. In my head, I was like, I could die right now. My body was shutting down. Yeah. That's the first thing that I saw you on was the dry bar special. And yeah, you look good. You look healthy. You looked animated and alive, and you're like you're commanding it, like yep. you are. You're owning it. So yeah, it was weird in my head the entire time. I'm like, do the jokes, but I was also like, man, if I die on camera right now in the middle of this taping, that's gonna be weird. <laughs> the whole set, I was just in my head, like, just do it, just get it done. That was in uh, Utah. Was that the, so? That was the squeaky clean set. Yeah, yeah. That was another thing is I had never practiced that set that clean. I had never. Like all those jokes, I'm not a dirty person, but like I'll say damn or shit sometimes. And then like you can't at that taping. And I had never done those jokes without saying some words. And so to be dying internally and then to do this entire set without saying anything, I'm in my head like, here's this joke. How do I say this without saying shit? How do I say this without? There's, it a, out. there's a bit in that special that I've never done without saying uh, a certain word. And then so I'm doing that bit on the special and I was like, I don't know how to say this sentence without saying this word. And <laughs> I just found a way to say it. And I was like, yes, I'm so glad that worked. 
important question for you. Is it ever too soon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't think so until, you know, now I'm getting older and I'm realizing there's a time and a place, you know, the Kobe jokes were too soon, man. Like Kobe jokes still are too soon. Like there's a time and a place. Um, yeah. It's a lot for me to say this, yeah. soon, but if it's too soon, it's too soon. Like you should know. Uh, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I, I can say this. It's some, some things are too soon for me, you know, right. but for other people, nothing's too soon for Jessel. Nick, he's supposed to talk about that. That's his lane. He's supposed to be the too soon guy. I see. Um, just checking out your website, really, that you've worked with a lot of great talents. Yeah. Um, Ralph Top, Andrew Schultz, Davidson, like you mentioned, Hannibal Burris, um, Mike Epps. What was the uh, Mike Che, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's it like working with with your comedy heroes? I mean, I'm assuming sort of that you look up to these guys, right? Yeah. Um, and that list is all guys, by the way. I mean, do you not get along with women or what? What's <laughs> no, do um. Taylor Tomlinson is on my top five list of like people that I really, really want to work with. She is incredibly funny. Um, yeah. And no, there's yeah. a lot of women that I'd love to work I'm with. Just, Sarah Silverman. No, I know you're Come funny. on, man. I got to give you all that. But what is that like? What's it like working with these with these guys? That made me sad because it's like, oh, I haven't gotten to work with any of the women that I want to work with. Like that, that makes me be like, I got to work harder. I want to work with Sam J. Like it sucks. I got to get better. Um, no, it's great working with your heroes, man. Like Andrew Schultz was – I've been looking up to this dude way before he popped. Uh, me and my friend, we had took a trip to New York, and we were at the Comedy Cellar. And the last three comics on the lineup were Andrew Schultz, um, Dave Attell, Big J Okerson. And if they would have been flip-flopped anywhere else on that lineup, people would have been buried. Like, Andrew Schultz has been incredible to me since five years ago. That guy is impeccable. So, like, when you get to work with these guys, it's almost weird to, like, sit in a green room with them and have so many questions and have all this, like, fandom, but also want to be respected as a comic and not, like, mm-hmm. not want to, like, freak out, but also want to be, like um, – I worked with Nate Bargatze, and when I was in the green room, my goal was to not tell him I loved him. And uh, I, was like, I was like, just don't tell him you love him. Don't be weird. And uh, I told him, I was like, look, man, full-time magic, which is his first hour – it's one of my top five hours of all time. And he was like, he took it real humbly. He was like, oh, thanks, man. But like, I've seen so much comedy and like that hour is flawless. Um, it's just, it's neat, man. To, to Comedy is one of those things where you get to work with your idols quicker than any other thing. You know what I mean? Like in music, you don't get to work with your idols until you're already established like crazy. I can feature for most of the people that I look up to off of like hard work, but like, luck <laughs> speaking of andrew schultz i recently watched his um crowd work special yeah you know the one with the uh the wheel of slavery bit yeah <laughs> um uh, andrew's like he's a white guy cracking all sorts of race jokes yeah. in rooms that are always uh super ethnically diverse mm-hmm. you know, and watching it watching it i just got to thinking about the role of the comedian in society you know kind of going all the way back to the court jester you know it said that uh, I don't know, it could be apocryphally uh, or whatever, but it said that jesters could deliver bad news to the king that nobody else dared to. And I kind of see a parallel with comics on stage acting uh, sort of as as farcical truth-telling mirrors to society, you know? Um, do you ever sit and write jokes with that in mind, with some sort of sense of duty? Um, sometimes. So when uh, when everything happened with George Floyd, I definitely wrote some stuff where I was like, 
I want to say something now. And then mm-hmm. you know, I do those jokes and I get them off and it's like everybody has their not necessarily lane. Like you as a comic, you can say whatever you want, but it's also like that will ruin the rest of your set if that's not completely you all the time. So it's like I can't I can't speak on a big issue if that's not going to be my entire platform. So if I speak on a big issue and then I'm like hippos are crazy, the people are like, whoa, dude, like it's, it's just drastic. So it's like there's a time and a place. Um but yeah, there's dudes like Andrew Schultz where you're like, I want to hear his opinion on these things. But a 26 year old dude who's like, you know, I'm young, dumb, and goofy. It's like, yeah, I have opinions on stuff, but like, I'd rather give those to you in a sketch or give those to you in a better way. Because in stand up, if I do it, if I do it in the middle of a set, it's gonna get uncomfortable because the the other things that I talk about don't relate to that. Like if I'm talking about my girlfriend, and then I'm like, we gotta stop this injustice then people are like whoa dude we were just talking about your girlfriend like that's an interesting way to put it it's like having just like a totally random chapter set into a into a storybook right and it's uh, the characters are different the tone's different i did the other night uh like i was trying to go to bed and usually like dope thoughts hit me right before i go to bed which sucks because then you're awake for the next two hours but i wrote 25 minutes of new stand-up just about like the pandemic but not even like coronavirus like jokes they're not even like necessarily they're jokes but they're more so like insightful things of like the fact that it's 2020 and we care more about having new technology than we do about having cures of diseases like we shouldn't be getting sick anymore like there's no reason and just so many new thoughts that i am very happy with but i also know it's there's a weird way there's a weird place to put them in a set Mm -hmm. if when i do this chunk I won't be able to go back into goofy jokes. So it's like, I'll have to go goofy up front, back in serious. But like back in, not necessarily serious, because it's still stand up and it's still jokes, but, right, you know. Do you see yourself maybe 10 years from now with it with uh, still doing the goofy? Or are you already kind of planning out, yeah, I'm going to kind of move in a certain direction over time? I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to do both, because it's still me. I'm always going right. to be a goofy guy. Like, it is like... That's just built in me. I'm, I'm a nerd, man. Like, I love anime, but I also love, like, NWA. Like, I love everything, you know, so. What's your favorite anime right now? Oh, Seven Deadly Sins is so good. Yeah? It's so good. But also, like, I'm, I'm such an old anime head of, like, Inuyasha and, like, things like that. But You, you ever check out Sword Art, Sword Art online? No. I've seen a bunch of, like, different, like, memes of it and, like, uh, yeah, I never, never watched that. So – I feel like the reality is that a lot of times only a comedian, a comic, uh, can deliver certain cultural critiques. As a huge fan of, of your art form, sometimes I'll try to remind people of this um, by taking a brutal joke of some sort uh, and posting it without any attribution on my Facebook wall. Yeah. And then people get all pissed off and all the outrage. After it all flares up, I'll come in and go, oh, hey, you know, by the way, it was – Sarah Silverman, who said, it, you know, say like, right. Sarah Silverman. And now they're kind of trapped because with that fresh context, they either backpedal furiously yeah, or they'll just complain the joke isn't funny. But I mean, it's not really fair for me to do that, but it fascinates me how the same words are received so differently. Yeah. If you're not, yeah, yeah, if you're not recognized as a, as a famous comic, basically you've got no right to say certain things in a certain way. And I accept that. That's yeah. cool. There's, there's a uh, there's a leniency that comes with the job, but it's also like there's people out there who will try to cancel you over a joke. And it's uh, – I forget who said it because millions of comics have said it by now. But it's like funny jokes and unfunny jokes came come out of the same person. Like 
if I say it, it's because I thought it was funny, you know, and I thought that it would get taken as funny. So it's like when people take things out of context or they're like, this isn't funny. It's like I tried, man. It's, you know, if you go to a baseball game and your favorite player strikes out, you're not like you're supposed to home run every time. It's like, dude, some of these are going to miss. Yeah. There's a lot of jokes that don't land for every joke that hits. In that crowd work special that we were talking about a minute ago, there's a heckler that calls out. So I don't remember what it is because it's been. But Schultz just says, uh, ma'am, maybe you don't realize this. This is my job. Right. Right. That's my job. That's my thing. Yeah. If you're at a comedy club and you don't get that. And the it's thing tough, too, you know, like, especially for a white guy like him. He's a very funny white dude, but yeah. with society so focused on not just what's okay to say, but who's okay to say it. Yeah. The same joke coming from Chappelle out of coming from Schultz lands different. The reason that Sh- uh, Schultz is who he is, though, is because the, the amount of research he does into any topic he talks about, this dude is so well Oh, it's insane. That, like – if he says something, you're like, that's racist. He'll go, no, it's not because this, this, this is like, he's able to back up everything he says. And if you don't find something funny, that's fine. But you can't say that it's, he should be canceled over this. Like the amount of research he does is, is he's brilliant. If you're able to talk about the topics that he does, you have to be able to put in the work behind the scenes that he does, you know, and he's, he loves learning. Like that's one of the craziest things is like we, we were in the green room yeah, and he that, was asking me questions because he, he wanted like other perspectives, you know, to what you're saying, you know, these, he's talking to the, the sick guy, right. Uh, the Indian guy, do you remember? And he's, uh, uh, points out his bracelet and he goes into the history of it. Actually, you know, that used to be a sheath and that sheath hit a dagger because this is a warrior cast of people. And he goes into the whole history and then lands. I don't want to, I won't do the punchline, but lands a perfect joke, yeah. a perfect joke on that only because the man knows his history and contrasts it with this sort of dopey bro uh, attitude. Like, have you seen his videos on Instagram that turn it sideways? Every single one of those videos, there's so many jokes and punchlines in there, but the amount of research that comes with, if there's a seven minute video and there's that many punchlines, that means he did at least a day or two's worth of research on any one of those topics. It's wild. It's so impressive. you guys, Andrew Schultz is really funny. We're talking a lot about him, but Cam is funny too. <laughs> so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna cut away now and uh, take a break to, first of all, give a quick shout out to this podcast sponsors, which, as you know, are the members of the Super Nice Club. That's it. Those are my only sponsors. We don't take any money for this. We're just thankful that you guys are in the club. Cam just got jumped into the club. Thanks for being out there with the simple idea of just making the world a little bit nicer by hook or by crook. So thank you, sponsors. I also want to treat you now to some of Cam's material. I haven't picked out anything yet because this is being recorded now. I've got to go on my computer and then do it in a minute. So should we go with your Mormon clean dry bar work? Or maybe I'll mix it up. You got any suggestions? Um, I mean, I don't know, whatever you want, man. <laughs> I don't All know. right, here we go. We're just, we're going to, ready? Here you go. I don't have that like manly bravado, dude. I don't have what you have. I don't have that manliness. I wish I did. I wish I was tough. You know what I mean? I just don't. I've never been that guy. I bumped into a guy that looked like you the other day, right? He's big as shit. I bumped into him because I was looking at my phone because life is better on my phone. And uh, I bumped into him and he goes, hey, I'll make you my bitch. He thought that was going to scare me. But I was like, well, how do you treat your bitches? <laughs> Are you nice to your bitches? Do you compliment your bitches? You pay for dinner for your bitches? I'll be a bitch. All right, I'll be a bitch. 
trying to get booed up. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. I'm sick of paying for dates. Fuck this. Just be on a date with somebody like, he got me a Gucci bag. <laughs> give a fuck? Well, that manly shit ends up broke. I don't want to be <laughs> And we're back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to segue out of pre-recorded bits. I, hope I guess like we just assume. I, I guess like we... uh, Was it good? Did you like it? <laughs> We're just going to assume people are still kind of laughing and smiling and things are all lightened up after all that heavy roll of the comic in society stuff. Um, who are your all-time comedy heroes? Like, like, like historical ones, not people working right now, but like the big ones, the greats. Um, well, does Dave Chappelle count? I mean, he's still working, but. Yeah, he's old enough. Yeah, that's my Mount Rushmore. Nobody will come close to him. Uh, Patrice O'Neal is my number two all time. Um, Louis C.K. is still a murderer. Bill mm -hmm. Burr, Chris Rock. I love Gerard Carmichael, and he's kind of quit stand up now. So that, I feel like that's fair to say. Um, what about people that are that are uh, crushing it right now, or people coming up? Anyone coming up that you want to give a shout out to that people should definitely drop what they're doing and go listen to? Besides you, first. Jack, Knight, Jack Knight's incredible. I think Jack he, Knight. Yeah, J A K N K N I G H T. Um, yeah, I think he's one of the best comics working. The dude is a genius. He's a writer on Big Mouth, and he's got some stuff on Netflix. I think he's great. Uh, Sam J. She's super funny. She just had a new special come out on Netflix. Um, who else? My best friend Dedrick Flynn is out of Atlanta. He's one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Like this guy is. He's one of those dudes who's frustratingly funny where you're just like, you laugh so hard throughout the day. You're just tired. Like, yep, he's one of the best comics that I've ever met. So right now you're doing COVID unfriendly shows in Florida because Florida is just like, oh, sorry, super nice club members in Florida. But y'all are like, oh. I'm in California. I can't really talk. I'm in L.A. We're, we're just as bad. But I just want to feel like somebody's worse on the on the East Coast. Oh, hey, that reminds me. What about that whole beef? What about that that rap style comic beef between like L.A. and New York? What's that all about? Man, it's still a thing. Like people still look at it as like New York's where you go for stand up, L.A.'s where you go to get famous. But like from what I've seen, the last five years have bridged the gap of like there's killers in L.A. Like there's there's guys in L.A. who are just great stand ups who never lived in New York, and there's people in New York who are still killers, but. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't. Who's the Who's the Tupac? Who's the Biggie? Ooh, oh man, that's rough. Cause like L.A. L.A. Tupac would probably be like if you're going like historically, you'd probably be like Dane Cook. Cause like the dude put up crazy numbers. He was the Hall of Fame guy. I know. I uh, forgot all about Dane Cook. He just kind of dropped off. Yeah, and then New York's New York's Biggie would probably be like Dave Attell. So those two go toe to toe now. Probably not. They're not. They're not synced up in time. If they went toe to toe. It wouldn't even be close. Dave Attell would yeah. wreck him. But yeah. that's. Yeah, but like, you're also not looking at like the a roster of dudes. Like, no, no, no. Always got Theo Vaughn. You know what I mean? New York's got uh, Sam Marill. Like, there's. It'd be a good ten on ten. Like, I, I think that'd be close. Which back in the day they didn't even think it'd be close. Time to organize that. I'm down. So on to some more. Not to get it back into the into the too heavy stuff here, but. It's kind of important. I want to address it. I heard you say, I heard you say, and I hope it's true, man. Just lie to me. I don't care. Just say it's true. I heard you say that you sit down when you pee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I hope so. Because yeah. I want to bond with you over this. It's just, I sit down when I pee. It's just polite, dudes. 
it's, it's easy, super man. nice. It's super nice to the women in your life. All right. I mean, not at gas stations at home. And you know, what's funny is like, uh, I live with a, I live with another dude and he lifts the toilet seat to pee and stuff. And like, I didn't realize that that was a, like a thing that frustrated me. And now I get why women get upset. at it. Like, <laughs> like I'll go in and the toilet seat will be up and I'll just look down on it. And it's just like pee all around the rim. I'm like, this is weird. This is gross. I don't like this at all. It's like, if you sat down to pee, there'd be no pee to clean up. Like, Oh, sit down a piece easier. You sit down a piece. That's great. You can get on Instagram, you know, and and yeah, I have a, a bidet. Well, I did until recently. I just moved. One of those little bolt-on ones. Yeah. You know, it's cold water though, because I couldn't afford the, the warm water <laughs> version. Yeah. I mean, you don't need coffee if you get a daily cold water enema. I swear. Like first thing in the morning, you just got that cold water shooting up. It's a boost. You are awake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're same page there. I'm so glad. This is a movement. We're going to make this movement happen, man. Sit down. So, also, maybe you'll be with me on this bit of male toilet etiquette. I told you we're going to be talking about toilets before we start <laughs> recording, right? I mean, I'm standing on one right now. Here, hold on. Let me just get this audio. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah, it's my potty cast room. There's nothing more soothing than a toilet flush. It just like, yeah. that sounds good. <laughs> Okay, so as young as young dudes, you know, we're taught to wash our hands after we pee, right? Mm-hmm. But what about all like the, the doorknobs and handrails and just the dirty stuff that we touch all throughout the day? Shouldn't we really wash before we touch our junk? I mean, it's not like most of us are peeing on our hands, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel you. I look. Right? It, and it, anybody's going to say that you're wrong, but I'm going to tell you I'm very lazy. I'm very <laughs> – and also – I'll, I'll touch I'll touch myself for no reason, let alone like throughout the day. You know how many times I'd have to wash my hands before touching my wiener? <laughs> ladies, ladies out there, you need to demand from your men that they wash their hands before they touch their dicks, okay? I mean, because that junk's just getting awfully dirty. Everything you touch all day, then you reach down there, and then you wash. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you... Would you would you touch your dick like if you weren't you? No, you, our dicks are gross. <laughs> I would, yeah, just wash. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe you guys haven't thought about that before, but now that you have, all right, just it's a thought. Wash before and maybe sit down. We'll have like cleaner toilets all over the world, and that's just kind of part of the super nice club thing. A little nicer world is cleaner toilets. Come on, is am I being weird? Is that weird? I mean, so I don't. Weird. I'm very weird. I uh, okay. I, just, I wish I washed my hands more. I'm just very lazy. <laughs> What's next for you, man? What's what for you? What is making it? You know, are you going to add acting to it? Um, see, this is my problem. Acting's really hard, and I didn't I didn't know that until I tried acting and I tried to do these sketches and stuff. And the only acting roles that I think I would be comfortable doing are roles that are like me. You know what I mean? Like, like I play myself or whatever if the role is goofy friend you know i i don't have that dicaprio like play something that i'm not like I, i'm not able to not be me so if the role calls for something that i am dope but yeah i just i don't think i'm a good actor at all so <laughs> i hope one day i find well, that i think a lot of comics get cast that's an entry point for a lot of comics. They, they they start out getting cast as that guy. I mean, this is predates you a little bit, but go watch The Jerk sometime by Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Like that was just Steve Martin's routine back then. He was yeah. just, you know, that guy. Like, he kind of grew into it. I know to hate to mention Pete again, but Pete Davidson, like all of his movie roles, I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that. 
Like that's because that's just him being him. Like every movie he's in, you're just like, oh, he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe if you don't have to do acting, um, you do podcasting. That's, you know, you kind of know you've made it if you have a podcast. <laughs> like I said, I, you're the third person today to ask me to do a podcast. Like, uh, like by like, do it. Dude, my two other friends, literally my best friend Dedrick was like, you got to start your podcast. I was like, I don't know. And then Willie was like, you got to start your podcast. I was like, bro. It's like, I don't know. I don't have the energy. I have so much other stuff going on where it's like, I don't think I'd be able to stay on top of it. And I'm very particular with like, I don't know. A lot goes into a podcast. I know how much time and effort goes into it because all of my friends have them and I've done them and I see the energy. It's draining. <laughs> it's constant hustle, man. I had no idea. See, I never really listened to podcasts before I started this. Mm-hmm. Um, no idea, which is why the quality of my podcast maybe suffer a little bit. Um, but the quality of my guests is amazing. Today we have we have Cam Bertrand, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it is. You know what you have to do is you, you're like a salesperson all the time because you have to land a guest every week. Mm-hmm. That's my least favorite part. I don't like that. I don't like asking people to be on the podcast. And I don't like following up and doing all that stuff because it's kind of like you feel like you're asking for a favor, right? I feel bad alone to do it. I feel bad. It's just I have, I've been swamped. And like if I don't put it in my calendar, I just yeah. – I like oh, but that's the thing. I'm I'm following up with all kinds of people out there. Like now I've got like, you know, a couple dozen people like we're touching base and all that and it comes around, but it is. It's a lot of work. I need to, you know, you get big enough, you have people do that for you. Right. right? I don't I'm not quite uh uh Joe Rogan yet. Not not quite there. Yeah, I think the only way I'd be able to do it is if I like film or like recorded 20 of them and then put them out like weekly. And like even then I'd get backtracked and be like, shit. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be good at it because you're funny. But is it worth it for you? I don't know. So next for you then is just continuing to hone the craft to do more specials, kind of wait COVID out and then come out, you know, all guns blazing, I guess. Yeah, man, I'm actually planning my next half hour soon. Like, I'm going to try yeah? to before the end of the year, if not early next year. But uh, yeah, I got a pretty dope idea for the next one. Where would you tape that? That's a secret because like that's, uh-huh. that's the part where I'm trying to figure it out now. Like I'm trying to get okay. the location locked down because it's, yeah. it's going to be something that's never been done before. And that's why I don't know if I can do it. So I got to schedule meetings and stuff and see if they'll let me. Oh, like inside a zoo, like in the lion cage or something like that? Uh, not that dope, but like close. But like, okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So we do this thing um, with these podcasts where we have the guest issues a challenge for the super nice club members, just called the super nice challenge. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? Um, just something they can do maybe once or every day uh, to kind of, you know, make the world a little nicer place. You got anything? You know what? I, I, I saw that you had asked me to do that. And I was like, you know what? I didn't think of anything until just now. I think this would be really cool because I know it affects me deeply. Uh, so if you have ever watched like one of those, like, like a video that you really liked, but you go to the comments and somebody says something mean – defend that person like if you like the video and somebody says i'm like this sucks just defend them you know because it's like that person can't defend themselves because then they look like a mean person by being like how does my video suck you have zero followers or you have no profile picture or something like <laughs> like the people who are being mean to negate that and to make the person who posts the video feel better just defend them just be like they put in a lot of time and effort into this craft like because the person who posts the content can't go to war for themselves go to war for them once a day like, oh, it mean the world. I like that. I and it's so true. We have that. Yeah. 
Yelp culture now, right? Where everybody just hates on stuff and the, the restaurants or whatever, they can't defend themselves. Yeah. All right. So go find, basically what Cam is asking for you guys to do is to go to his YouTube page, <laughs> find a negative comment and, and basically tear that person uh, in half. Okay. I don't get like a lot of them, but I get enough to where I'm like, gosh, I want to say something back. <laughs> no, nah, you can't. Um, and then lastly, do you have a question for me, Cam? Anything? Throw it at me. I'll answer any question. I don't edit. What's your this third part. favorite villain? My third favorite villain. Oh, man. So favorite villain. That's hard. I've got to really like go calculate my third favorite villain. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. Oh, there you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, he's a villain, but he's also so, uh, you know, you get his backstory. Do you remember Blade Runner? You saw that one? You never saw Blade Runner. That's cool. I never saw Seinfeld. We're kind of even in terms of like cultural significance here. No, he's a, he's a bad android or robot or whatever. Synth, I think they call him. I don't know. But uh, he's mad for a reason, you know? He, he's been given a very short life and, and, and disrespected and all these things. So, you know, those villains... That's how I feel like about be Jordan and Black Panther. It's like he's mad for a reason. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a superhero movie, right? I've never seen it. <laughs> you never saw Black Panther? I'm kidding. No, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's pretty much my physique. Mm. Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther. Yeah, that's that's where I look. You can't really tell. I mean, you know, right here. Just, uh, but that's pretty much, I'm kind of like Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, I appreciate you being on. I look forward to the rest of what you're doing. You know, definitely give a shout when you're heading out to Los Angeles sure. and we will get the club to come out to your club. I just hope that that we're all able to do things like support our local comedy venues. I'm going to add a, a, a super nice challenge in there to anybody listening. Find whatever venue is near you. Find a comedy. If you like comedy, find your local venue in your town. All right. They're probably, unless they're, you know, in Florida, they're probably not doing a lot of business right now. Reach out to that venue and, and see if you can, if there's a, if they're doing a GoFundMe, if they're doing any kind of fundraiser and throw them some money, throw them a little bit of cash. You don't know. That could be the little bit of difference that helps them, you know, meet payroll and not go out or, or take care of rent. Just show them some love right now and, and go to Cam's page and, crap all over a negative comment <laughs> i love it all right man thanks a bunch i'll talk to you again yeah thanks for having me so there you have it nice work with cam bertrand hope you enjoyed that i really did i really enjoyed talking to cam and just getting um a vicarious connection into the comedy world one that i love so much before i forget and before you click out of here big thank you Big love to Christine King, Instagram at Chrissy with a Y, Berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, for introducing me to Cam's work. Christine is a comic, and she's also a, an organizer of comedy shows, I think largely in the Los Angeles area. Uh, great friend, great person, unbelievably funny. 
and a future podcast guest of Nice Work. So thank you for being a member of the Super Nice Club. If you want to learn more about the club, check us out, superniceclub.com. Um, text us to become a Super Nice Club insider. That's a thing, and it's cool. All you have to do is text us at 310-421-0393. I'm going to say it again like they do in the radio. 310-421-0393. Just, just text right now. Like, text Cam, and I'll send you something funny back. Funnier than the um, uh, Britney Spears crack at the beginning of the show. Maybe. I'll try. Maybe I'll just send you a link to one of Cam's jokes or, or Christine's. So thank you guys, gals, everything. Love you a bunch. Stay nice, everyone. Just wanna be nice, and maybe that's the world.